If I can have a couple men help me, a couple boys up front, it doesn't matter who it is. I have a Christmas present for every one of you. Amen. And so if you can split that up, that would be wonderful. This is a list that I had my brother-in-law designed for me. So hopefully you can throw this in the front of your Bible and just pray, if you would. Do we believe in prayer, students? Some of you are thinking about it. Amen. Do you believe in prayer, students? Amen. 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 Here on this sheet, as they're handing it out, everyone can receive one. It's talking about the greater Boston area. In the greater Boston area, there really is 8.4 million people in that area. If you look on the back side of this, it tells you all the cities, towns, villages um, that are out without a gospel preaching church. And so I want you to do me a favor, keep this in your Bible, and just pray for laborers to enter into the harvest. I'm not asking you to come out to a place. I'm asking you just to pray. That's it. I just want you to pray. Um, We need, the Lord does say, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he'll send forth laborers into the harvest. I believe that's probably one of the most neglected prayers um, in the Christian life, is actually praying for laborers. Praying for laborers. I didn't put it on here, I I ran out of space, but in the Boston region, the greater Boston area, there are 22 different ethnicities in the Boston area. You don't have to go around the world, you can just come to the Boston area. In the Boston area, you have pockets of Chinese people, you have pockets of people from Korea, it doesn't matter what it is, and so literally in Medford, Massachusetts, right next to us in Malden, there's a huge population of Chinese people. Down in Quincy, South Shore, there's a huge population of Chinese people. You don't have to go around the world. The world's in Boston. Truly, the world's in Boston. And so let me encourage you, do me a favor, pray with us that God would send laborers. There's such a great need, such a great need. Um, I am called to the area. You can just hold on to them. I'll grab them afterwards. Thank you, sir. And so if you look on the front, it says the Great Commission is not an option to be considered, but it's a command to be obeyed. And so, and on the back, you'll notice a, a quote from David Limiston, simply is no substitute for action. We can sympathize about what's going on around the world, but it's no substitute for action. We need to be acting upon what we know. Amen? I truly believe it. So if you would, pray along with us. Uh, maybe the Lord would just move in your heart. Right now in the Boston area, really in the greater New England area, there are many churches without a pastor. Many churches without a pastor. I can name five, probably within 45 minutes of me. Five. So there's a great need. There's great needs everywhere. But I just want you to pray. Amen. It's good to have you here. If you would, turn to Psalm chapter number 12. I forgot to mention this, Pastor Mitchell, but I enjoyed that mixed ensemble special. That was, that's actually my favorite Christmas song. I did a sleeve thy throne in thy kingly crown. A little history about that. Emily, Emily, Emily Elliott wrote that song to actually help children understand the reason why Jesus came to earth. And so a little hem history on thou didst leave thy throne in thy kingly crown when thou camest to earth for me. And I have a question, maybe 
Maybe it's, maybe it's you this morning. Is there room in, the heart, in your heart for Jesus? Amen. And so may the Lord help us. In Psalm chapter number 12, we're going to look here at the first three verses of this wonderful psalm of David. And I want to just, if you're in the habit of taking notes, I want to just talk to you today about urgency. Urgency. Here in this portion of Scripture, it tells us, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth. For the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor. With flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things. Who have said, with our tongue will we prevail? Our lips are our own. Who is the Lord over us? I'm talking about urgency today. I know I specifically want to talk to the college students, but I know we have some high schoolers in here. So I'm going to try to hit everyone this morning. But I want to encourage you in your life. As a pastor of five years, there's one thing I know, that in the Christian realm, we are lacking great urgency. We're so overwhelmed and enamored by the love of the world, lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the things that we desire, the temporal things that we desire. And we're not heavenly minded. We don't have a heavenly perspective. So we truly lose our urgency that maybe we once develop early on in life, in our Christian life. So I want to help you this morning about really regaining your urgency back. Amen? I know some of you college students, you've come to this wonderful place to be instructed in the Word of God. And you want to charge hell with the squirt gun. Amen? Amen. That's a little joke. We can laugh. (laughs) It's okay. And so, but it's going to take some great urgency to do so. There's going to have to be some passion in your soul. Passion in your soul for Jesus Christ. If you would, join me in prayer. And pray along with me, if you would. And let ask the Lord, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me this morning. Give me something from heaven. Because he has something for you. He truly does. So if you would, pray along with me. Father in heaven, we are ever grateful for the great king we have. And our wonderful savior, Jesus Christ. And thank you, Lord, that he has been high and lifted up. And, Lord, he is on the right hand of power at this very moment. And he ever liveth to make intercession for us. Thank you for the spirit, Lord, that truly with groanings that cannot be uttered is really interceding on our behalf. Lord, sometimes we just don't know what to pray for. Lord, but your spirit does the work for us. And I pray that you'd help every one of these young children young boys and girls, these men and women that are in this room, to develop a lasting desire of just fervent service to the Savior of their soul. I pray that you would help them, give them a new glimpse of Jesus. Lord, a greater view of heavenly things. Help us not to be truly drawn away from the things of this world, by the things of this world, but help us to stay close, close to Thee, close to Thee, Lord. 
Do help us, I pray. I pray that you'd have the preeminence as you move up and down these aisles this morning. I pray that the Holy Spirit would have free course. As you're lifted up, draw all men to thee, Lord, and we'll give you the praise and glory for it. We ask it in your heavenly name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks to the poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, every one of us has heard the midnight ride of Paul Revere, but few have heard of Israel Bissell, a humble post rider on the Boston-New York route. After the Battle of Lexington and Concord on April 19, 1775, Bissell was ordered to raise the alarm in New Haven, Connecticut. He reached Worcester, Massachusetts, normally a day's ride, but he accomplished it in two hours. Two hours. There, according to tradition, his horse promptly dropped dead, passing only to get another mount. Bissell pressed on, and by April 22nd, he was in New Haven. But he didn't stop there. He rode on to New York, arriving April 24th, and then stayed in the saddle until he reached Philadelphia the next day. Bissell's 126-hour, 345-mile ride signaled American militia units through the Northeast to mobilize for war. He had urgency, urgency. Webster um, defines urgency as a pressure of necessity, as the urgency of want or distress or urgency of occasion. Here in this portion of Scripture, God is trying to draw us to this understanding that there are some urgent things we need to recognize in life. And really, it comes down to this one as we look at verse number one, the lack of purity that's in our nation today. Just as much as it was relevant for David, it's relevant for us now. Purity. Let me ask you a question. If I were to get on your phone and look at your screen time, what would I find? What would I find? I'm preaching exactly what I preached to my school kids back in Massachusetts. If I were to look at your apps, your Tic Tac, right? I hope you don't have that. That's a joke. It's not t- I know it's not Tic Tac, it's Tic Tac, okay? It's just a little joke. But are you on that? You shouldn't be on that, right? On Facebook, Instagram, the list goes on. We're so consumed about the selfie screenshot and setting our Bible up to look like we're so-called spiritual than actually being spiritual, And that's just the truth from God's word. And here David, he's saying, help Lord for the godly man ceaseth. Where is the godly generation? I want you to think about this. Amy Carmichael at the age of 10 had a burden to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ at the age of 10. And what do we have? You're so privileged. You really are. You're in a good institution with people that love you, that are giving and sacrificing their life for you, trying to instill in you. You might say, well, they're just being so hard. Why do we have so many rules? Well, those rules are probably because of me. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I don't know. Mostly because of Brother Ramos, I'm sure. Um, But those rules are there for a reason. Why do they have to take my cell phone at night? I heard that. I'm like, praise God for that. Praise God for that. Some of you, you start convulsing when your phone has to be put away. What am I going to do? Some of, you, some of you are sitting there like, yeah, he's right. <laughs> I do. I'm attached to this thing. But where's the godly men and women? You don't have to be godly when you get my age. You can be 
godly now. It's a lack of purity in our day. Paul told Timothy, keep thyself pure. Meaning that there's an objective in our life that there's purity. Just not from... Um, I'm trying to be careful about my words I say here, because I know I have some young ones in here, but of fornication, the list goes on. No, it's keeping your mind and heart pure toward God. That's the objective. It's just not the outward things, but it's the inward things that is keeping our heart and our mind pure. Because what comes in our ear gate, eye gate, is going to affect our actions. That's the way it operates. And we... If you're saved here, you're my brother and sister in the Lord, and I love you. And if you're a sinner here and lost and condemned, bound for hell, I still love you. But we need a reminder that God has a purpose and a plan for every one of you. I never would have thought I would be a preacher. I never would have thought that God would send me to Boston And if it wasn't for my call to Boston, I would not be in Boston. I'm being honest. It's so liberal. Everywhere you go, LGBT, whatever, you know, the list goes on. It's going to be the whole alphabet soon. My. Shoving it all down your throat. It's there. I would rather be in a place that's more conservative. But... I do understand, too, if we don't push back on darkness, what's going to happen? And so we have a job to do. And we, as God's people, have to stay pure. See, there is a demise of the righteous. In Isaiah 57, 1, it says, The righteous perisheth, and no man layeth to heart. There are many people that are, are falling off the scene. Many people are falling into sin. And where are the godly people? In our generation, where are the young kids that actually place an emphasis on God and prayer and the Word of God? I was reading it. I bought a book. There was only one in the bookstore, and it was on George Whitfield, his journal. I just opened it right up, and I was so convicted already. He said on January 7th, I believe it's right by you, Brother Amos. I have a bookmark on it. When January 7th, he said, I had a love fest with Jesus Christ that I prayed all the way through the night after preaching that day. Imagine that. He just, and I don't agree with everything George Whitfield believes, but at least know this, that he had a love for the Lord. He had a desire just to pursue after Him. And where's the pursuit in our life? We're placing more of an emphasis on things that do not matter. Where we should be coming to the Lord. You see, the godly man ceaseth. And there's a demise of the righteous and the godly in our day. Noah understood this, and God looked down upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, and all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Imagine this. You're in a conservative area, but come out my way. You're going to feel a little awkward. You're going to feel a little peer pressure. Well, can I be a gospel witness in this area? You're going to have to make a firm stance. No, no, no. I will be the gospel witness. I will be this godly person in this generation, in this area, whatever it may be. See, God has to work in our heart, and we have to understand what's transpiring in our day. There's a lack of godly people. There's a lack of good men in our day that will just stand up and raise the banner of God. May the Lord help us. Also, he goes on and says, For the godly man ceases, for the faithful fail. You know, you can start right, it doesn't mean you're going to end right. 
I have a problem with those that say, well, I have a hero. I have no heroes until they actually pass on to heaven because they can fail later in life, right? God is looking at faithfulness. And, there's, and we see in this portion of Scripture that there's a lack of persistence or faithful people. I know what it's like to go to Bible college. And let me give you, I'm sure this has been preached this year, but how's your devotional life? How's your communion? Well, Pastor Joe, we, I have a Bible class during this day, and I have a Bible class. No, no, no. I'm talking about your communion. That's your instruction and the knowledge you're laying up to where you can have a better experience in your communion. But how's your communion with the Lord? Are you talking with Him? Are you walking with Him? Because these things that they are teaching you here is not replacing your quiet time with God. You see, you have to place an emphasis where it needs to be. Martin Luther used to say, if I didn't spend four hours a day with God, I would feel like my day was a waste. I'd feel like my day was a waste. And so, where are the faithful in our generation? Isaiah says in Isaiah 121, how has the faithful city become a harlot? It was full of judgment, righteousness lodged in it. But now, murderers, the silver has become dross, and the wine is mixed with water. And so, there are faithful people that are off the scene, that were faithful and are not faithful. Are you going to be faithful? Are you going to raise the gospel banner? Are you going to stand for Jesus Christ in your generation? Are you, trying to, are you going to try to accomplish something? Are you going to try to be that godly person, being persistent? I will be faithful. You know why I don't like Facebook? I'm going to tell you why. Because I'm sick and tired of seeing people that are just falling off the scene and leaving the faith. I'm tired of it. I just don't want to see it. That's why I don't like Facebook. That's why I don't like all these different sites. Because it's a huge discouragement. Yes, you see some encouraging things every once in a while, but wow, what happened to this person? What happened to that person? What? I went to school with them. What, what are they doing? What are they thinking? And you see all these things, it's like, wow. Are you going to be faithful? Because you are being instructed in the word of righteousness. And they're placing an emphasis on trying to help you to be godly. It's a lack of persistence. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 12, it says, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. If we were to do on a one to scale, one to ten scale, your faithfulness and passion to the Lord, where would you fall? If there was a spiritual thermometer in here to see if you're a red hot for Jesus Christ or just stone cold for the things of God, where would you be? It's so easy just to go through the motions. It's so easy to hop on a bus route and just get on there do your duty, you have your schedule, this is what you have this week, supply the snack, you know, do the verse visual, the list goes on. I praise God for Mrs. O'Hare. She had to put up with me. But she is a wonderful bus captain in the big O. I don't know where he's at, but the big O. I used to call him Mr. No-Hare. And now, look at me. <laughs> I'm, 
I'm heading that way. <laughs> but praise God for their faithfulness. But where are you at in your life? Are you stone cold? Your heart cold right now? God's trying to speak to you, talk with you, throw the word of God, you're just stone cold? So callous because of the sin that's deep down in your heart that you don't want other people to see, so you keep on covering it? What is it? Because God wants to do a work in our day. I believe God wants to use you. One of my favorite verses in Ephesians is Ephesians 2.10. For you are his workmanship. That word workmanship means manufactured product. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Meaning that every single one of you that know Jesus Christ as your Savior, God has a special plan for you. And that plan is to reveal good works or God in you, the hope of glory. And so this being the case, this, every one of you, take a good look around. God has a special plan. And it's just not to sit around and just do the mundane, but it's actually to get busy and have some urgency for our God in our generation. Because I'm telling you, I don't know if it's just because where I live and the intensity of everything around me and the stress, sitting in traffic, my, my, my. But my heart breaks for these people. As I go 93 South, I live in Woburn, just north of the city. 93 South, down to Medford. Every time I get a glimpse of the skyline of, of Boston, tears almost come to my eyes. I say, God, how are we going to reach this area? How are we going to do it? I don't know anything, Lord. How are we, how are we going to do this? Such a huge city, full of pride, because of their own intellect, higher criticism, whatever it may be. Lord, how are we going to reach them? What are we going to do? There's a great need, my friends. And if you just open up your eyes and look around you at the people that are perishing, by the time this chapel service is over, over 3,400 people will enter into eternity, most likely without God. Did you know that? By the seconds. People dropping, just like that. And where's the urgency in our life? To be godly, to be that example, to be that person that will just fill in the gap, wherever we're at. I'm not talking about just going to the full-time service. I'm just talking about you being available. God is not looking for great talents. You know what I found out? People that have great talents, God doesn't even use. Because they're unusable. You can play the piano, you can sing, you can do... All these things, you can be the best junior church worker, bus worker, it doesn't matter who it is. But you're so full of pride that God won't even use you, but he'll take someone that does ha has no talent whatsoever, and he'll use them for the glory of God. Leave your talents aside, and just let God have his way in your life. See, the, ti the timeless test is simply this. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. And it is faithfulness of just going at it, going into your prayer closet, as I said last night, and just going out doing the work of the Lord with a joyful spirit, with love in your heart for people that are around you. And just being faithful in it. It's not about a 401k, man. Let me help you with something. All you boys that hopefully will be going into the ministry or God's working in your heart to bring you there. It's not about how much can the church pay you. It's not about how much, well, what's the retirement package that they're going to give me, right? 
Well, do they have insurance? Right? Am I, am I going to have a cushy job? Talk with Pastor Mitchell. Amen? He has a lot on his plate. Any pastor has a, a lot on their plate. A church like mine, let me tell you something. Let me give you a little bit of idea, men. Guess who's the plumber? You're looking at him. Guess who's the electrician? You're looking at him. Guess who's the person that is laying a um, LVP vinyl flooring down? You're looking at him, right? Who's the one that, when something goes wrong in the church, who do they call? You're looking at him, right? That's just the way it is. Let alone all this uh, other problems that are taking place in people's lives that you're trying to manage, let alone with your own family and trying to balance it all. There's a lot on, on our plates. But where are the faithful? Where are those that will just raise up the arms of God's men? That will just stand up and step in? This is what we need. We need faithful men and women that will actually come and, and just labor in love. Also, we find here in verse number one, it says the faithful fail from among the children of men. There's a lack of um, proclamation. You see, God wants us to present something on, unto this nation, this world. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is our message. This is, this is what we do. It's just not the death, burial, and resurrection. It's the transformative power of Jesus Christ radically changing the soul of mankind. I don't know about you, when I got saved, I got saved. Amen? Amen. The fires of hell were before my eyes, and I understood I needed a great Savior. Old time evangelist came in, Rufus Edmondson, down from the south. I don't, I don't even know if he's still alive. He might be. But he preached on hell, Brother Amos, all week during that revival service. All week. But God moved in greatly. My, many people got saved that thought they were saved that week. Pastor's son and his wife, they're both come up to the altar with tears in their eyes. I'm not saved. On a Tuesday night, we need to, I need to get saved. I need to get born again. A lady that grew up on the mission field down in Central America, that Saturday she got saved. I fell under heavy conviction that Saturday night. Just opened up my Bible and just started reading, Lord, I struggle with my salvation. Lord, I'm lost. Show me. I know what the gospel says. And God started to work through Matthew 3, 2, repent, for the kingdom of heaven's at hand. And that word repent just struck me deep. And I realized, I'm going to hell. I'm not saved. In torment of mind and soul, I woke up that, that Sunday morning, sitting in my dad's Sunday school class as he's teaching adult Sunday school, and he preached on faith without works is dead. Thanks, Dad. Driving it even deeper. Thank you. I was supposed to preach at the nursing home that afternoon. Heading to the nursing home with my dad, right there in Oak Harbor, just tears in my eyes. He's like, Joe, what's wrong? He's like, you have no message? I'm like, no, Dad, I'm not qualified to preach. He knew. Oh, he knew. As a wonderful dad as he is, he tried to lead me to the Lord in the parking lot as we pulled in. I looked at my dad. I'm like, Dad, what are you going to tell me that I already know? I've been, I've been doing this. I've been preaching the message. I know, I know how to get saved, Dad. 
that Sunday afternoon, I met with my pastor right before the service. Got gloriously saved right there in his office. 5.30. Jetted home real quick. He's like, you're getting, let's get baptized. I'm like, yeah, let's get baptized. Amen. Ran home, got my towel, got a change of clothes. No one had any idea. Got up before the church. I said, forgive me of being a hypocrite. I just got saved today. And I want to serve the Lord with all my heart and with all my life. Wherever he wants me to do, I'll do it. Made a public testimony. Never, <laughs> never knew he would take me to Boston. <laughs> right? Well, that's what happened. Wonderful change. See, there's a message we need to preach. William Booth once said, not called, did you say? Not heard the call, I think you should say. Put your ear down to the Bible and hear him bid you go and pull sinners out of the fire of sin. Put your ear down to the burdened, agonized heart of humanity and listen to its pitfall wail for help. Go stand by the gates of hell and hear the damned entreat you to go to their father's house and bid their brothers and sisters and servants and masters not to come there. Then look Christ in the face, whose mercy you have professed to obey, and tell him whether you will join heart and soul and body and circumstances in the march to publish his mercy to the world. You see, every one of us have a call. And the purpose of the saints of God, as it says in Psalm 34, 3, O magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together, meaning that we're all in on this thing. And let's magnify God in our life. It goes on in Psalm 69, 30, I will praise thy name of God with a song. I don't know who the girl is that this sings through the girl's dorm. I don't want to embarrass you. Don't raise your hand. All right? But praise God for you. Right? And I also didn't know, Brother, Brother Ramus, that there are some elephants Tromping around upstairs. Right? I don't know what they're doing, having a foot race. I don't know what it was. So, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I'm just trying to liven it up a little bit. Be honest with you. We used to wrestle in the men's dorm. There was a lot of things that transpired in the men's dorm, but I probably shouldn't even say. My, one of my best friends, Dan Corey, if you know the Corey family, they're Anakims. There's Anakims, right? There's, they're of the giant. <laughs> and so, so Brother Corey, long story short, ended up slamming someone to the ground that looked like this little kid all the way on the back rope. I don't know who you are, but that was about his size. I can't, I'm not going to say the person's name. I don't want to embarrass him. But slammed them to the ground. <laughs> it was justified. It was justified. Believe me, it was justified. But I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> oh, singing. Praise God for whoever you are singing in the dorm. You have a, God has done something in your heart and soul. Praise the Lord for you. And if you happen to make fun of that girl, shame on you. I'm going to step on your toes right now. Shame on you. Amen? She has something you don't. Think about that. She has something you don't. Maybe you need to hang around her more and get that. You boys don't hang around her, though. <laughs> All right? You know what Mr. Ramos will do. Back to our text. Verse number one. 
Let's look at the longing prayer. It says, help, Lord. Help, Lord. This is truly it. This word, help, means to save. Save, Lord. You see, it's a, it's a prayer of, Lord, save. Save us. Help us to see faithful and godly men in our generation. Help, Lord. Assist us in this matter. Are you praying for one another in this area of, Lord, just help the person to be faithful. Lord, I know they're going through a trial right now, difficulties in their family back home, whatever it may be, or they're just on the fence about something. God, would you just help and move in? Instead of just chit-chatting and just having fun doing with other, why don't you just have a prayer meeting in your room? Have a prayer meeting in your room. As far as I know, this is Bible college. Why we act like prayer is foreign to us? Have a prayer. Oh, let's get together. Let's pray this through. Let's ask God just to work a miracle in your life. You see, it's a confident prayer that we come unto the Lord with and a confiding prayer. My soul, wait thou upon God, for my expectation is from Him. So we can come to God with the expectation that when we come, He's going to do something. And you know, sometimes we have to be like the, the widow woman in Luke chapter number 18. And we just have to be persistent. And the wonderful thing is, God is not unjust. He's just. And He's loving. And he's kind and he's our father. And he wants to help you. He truly does. I heard the other day, I don't know, was it Brother Year? I can't remember who told me. No, it was Brother Pastor Mitchell. That a 98-year-old man got saved that they've been praying for for years. How do you think that came about? Faithful prayers of the saints. It's an instantaneous society. We just, we just want things to fall in place just like this. God doesn't work that way sometimes. Now, he does, in some ways, just fill the need because he knows the need in advance. But this is what happens. See, the longing prayer is we have confidence in our God that he will help, and we can go forth actually knowing that he's going to fulfill what we're laying before him. In Psalm 39, 7, it says, Now, Lord, wait, and now, Lord, wait, what wait I for? My hope is in thee. We have great confidence to know that God is going to help us in our time of need. But also, it's a consecrating prayer because in Philippians chapter 1, verse number 20, it says, According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall, I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as other, as always, so now also Christ may be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. You see, it's, Lord, help. But are you saying, Lord, help? Help, Lord. Help me, Lord. I've lost my fervency. I've lost my urgency. Help, Lord. When's the last time you actually saw someone come to Christ? When's the last time you wept over someone and just prayed someone through? When was it? Well, I'm, I'm in Bible college, Pastor Joe. I'm learning, no, no, no. You, you have some tools right now in your tool chest. There's some things you know already that you can just take. I had a wonderful dad when he got right with the Lord. He started talk, taking to me soul winning. And so I tell our teens at, at church how I learned to be a soul winner. Fellowship, Fellowship Track League has a track called the Romans Road to Heaven. And so 
I just had the idea. Like, well, I don't have all the verses memorized. And so, but I do have this gospel track. And so I'll knock on the door, tell someone who I, who I am, where I'm from, why I'm there. And so my name's Joe Hawkins. I'm from Grace Baptist Church in Oak Harbor. And I'm here to tell you about Jesus Christ. And I would just walk people through the Romans road, just holding it up to them. Because I could at least do that. At least. Now, was I nervous? Of course. But God used it. God used it. And that's what God does. But do you have urgency in your life? Do you have a fire and a passion for the Lord? I want to read this. I was up. I'm, I'm really in Baptist history. I'm sorry I didn't take a photocopy of it. But for you that are thinking about entering into the ministry, and this convicts me. When I was in the library, I wanted to yell out, Yes! <laughs> Here it is! Had tears in my eyes. Speaking of those that were heading out west, one of them writes in 1805, Every day I travel, I have to swim through creeks and swamps, and I'm wet from head to feet. And some days from morning to night, I'm dripping with water. I have rheumatism in all my joints. What I have suffered in body and mind, my pen is not able to communicate to you. But this I can say, while my body is wet with water and chilled with cold, my soul is filled with the heavenly fire. And I can say with the, the Apostle Paul, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, that I may finish my course with joy. They didn't have a 401k, right? They didn't have a nice car. They were just wading through it for the purpose of getting the gospel out to a lost and dying world that has never heard. And we have a great privilege. And you have a great privilege. God has saved you for a purpose, and it's to glorify His name. But you have to live with urgency, faithfulness, godliness in your generation. One of my favorite missionaries, Jim Elliott, I named my son, his, his middle name's after him specifically, because of Jim Elliott's sacrifice and his love for the Lord. He once said, Father, make me a crisis man. Bring those I contact, in, contact with to a decision. Let me not be a mi milepost on a single road, but make me a fork. That men must turn one way or another on facing Christ in me. Lord, I just don't want people to see me and go on. I want them to see me and make a decision. Either they're going to turn to Christ or turn away from Christ. That's the type of urgency we need in our day. The type of urgency. And the paper I gave you where it says 8.4 million people in the greater Boston area. There's people all around this nation that are looking for crisis men and women just to step up and step in. And the wonderful thing is, I love this, when you actually allow God to move greatly in your life, when God shows up, he shows out. That's the way it works. When God, and you're in that quiet time, and you actually get serious with God, 
God reveals his manifestation in your life just as much as Moses when he said, Oh Lord, show me thy glory. And just as much as Moses had urgency, we need the urgency. Just don't go about your daily business haphazardly. Take it serious. What you're doing now, what you're doing now is laying the groundwork for what you're going to be after this. And how serious do you take it? Your studies, your, your time with God, whatever it may be. Where are, you going to, where are you going to be five years from now? What are you going to do? You came to this place for a reason. We need to be crisis people. Because there's multitudes that are exiting off into eternity. And there's a great need. I can't be in two places at once. No one can, besides God. So we need you. God needs you. He desires to use you. And you might be sitting here thinking, I don't know anything. I have no talent. I'm not like a Jim Elliott or William Booth. I'm not a George Whitfield. Neither am I. I'm just trying to be available trying to be available for my God. The thing is, your faith is going to have to be your faith, not your mommy and daddy's faith. It's going to have to be yours. It's going to have to be real to you for you to actually develop a burden about being crisis men and women for Jesus Christ. You're going to have to do it. It's no longer, well, I'm following this, but no, 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 I'm following Christ. He's laid upon me a great task. Everything that's in my power, I'm going to try to fulfill it. And the Lord help us this morning. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are ever grateful that you allowed us to meet with you this morning. Thank you for the firm reminder from your word how we need to be godly and faithful in our time. Help us, Lord, as we live by faith and in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to have urgency. Lord, help us to have a great compassion, seeing the multitudes, sheep without a shepherd. Lord, burden those that are here. Lord, I know you're speaking to someone specifically Help them to answer, Lord. Your calling, help us to answer. I pray that you'd be magnified in this service. Help us to make solid, devout decisions that will carry with us the rest of our life. I ask it in your heavenly name, Jesus. Amen.